and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is Rick Sweet. And my name is Jay Swords. This is the 419th show of ROI, and our guest for today's show is Kyle Munson, former journalist for the Des Moines Register and president of the Western Iowa Journalism Foundation. And we're going to be talking about the Western Iowa Journalism Foundation. The history buff for today's show is Terry Toppler. The show's theme song is Kayla's Theme, written and performed by Mark Zap Zappadal. And our producer and engineer, as always, is Dave Baker. This is the opening segment of the show called Farouk Tanaran. Uh, history is local, and today we'll be talking about the Western Iowa Journalism Foundation with Kyle Munson, former journalist for the Des Moines Register and president of the Western Iowa Journalism Association. Welcome to the show, Kyle. Hey, thank you so much. I am glad to be here, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk about a topic that's so near and dear to me. Well, we're glad that you've joined us. Uh, we're excited about uh, this uh Journalism Foundation. Can you start us off by talking to us about what the Iowa Journalism Foundation is? Yeah, uh, for sure. Well, I I have a long history uh, in journalism. It's really what formed my sensibilities, and it was 24 years of my career in daily news. And as I was uh, doing that as a Des Moines Register and, and Gannett journalist for those years, I made so many connections around my native state of Iowa and saw what happened in all these small towns and rural areas, not only in Iowa, but nationwide, uh, the news economy was it went through just an amazing disruption. And creatively, there were a lot of great things about that. I, I thrived on some of the new tools and digital distribution, social media, as a journalist, just in terms of being able to, to use them and to reach new audiences. But at the same time, the business model uh, was collapsing. And... So many friends and, and colleagues and fellow journalists in these small, independent, family-owned newspapers around the state uh, were just increasingly suffering and disappearing. So you can look at various studies and see how many different local independent newspapers disappeared in the last 15 or so years, uh, and it's pretty staggering. Uh, in that time, Iowa lost, you know, de- depending on what you look at, about 17% of its newspapers. Um, so this this foundation, I, I voluntarily left Daily News a few years ago, and I'm a content strategist now in corporate America, and they're, you know, it's a rewarding job, but my heart and soul is in news in, in a lot of ways. And one of my colleagues, one of my friends who runs and publishes a daily newspaper, uh, well, um, what used to be a daily newspaper in Carroll, Iowa, Doug Burns has, you know, he has been one of those innovators trying to find new business models to support what is a century-old news operation that's been in, in his family. And he has tried a lot of different things, but just nothing was enough to make up for the erosion of the of the news model, where you had you know, large display ads and classified ads and all these things that used to really pay for all the quality, in-depth news and reporting that all these newsrooms would produce. So he was having conversations with a lot of different people, myself included, and that's where the idea for this foundation really started. You know, what if we had a nonprofit vehicle that was able to marshal resources and to help uh, stop the, you know, the spread of news deserts? you know, gaps in news coverage 
in small town in, in rural western Iowa and uh, to, to try to do some good and to try to keep these essential community newsrooms alive um, and to you know, provide education and quality reporting in all these communities and to help these newsrooms transform and be sustainable for the long-term future. And so it really started with that conversation. There, there are a lot of details to it. But um, that, so we started to uh, form a framework, figure out what this organization would look like, uh, come together as an initial board, uh, draw up you know, articles of incorporation and everything else. And that, you know, that was happening in 2020 as, you know, as there were a few major news items <laughs> rippling around the globe, I might add, um, which, which only actually exacerbated this crisis that we were focused on. The, you know, the pandemic made all these trends worse for the news economy. Um, ironically, at a time when news was more crucial than ever for the public health. Um, and then we got IRS approval at the beginning of this year, which started our work in earnest. And so we have been off and running at a breakneck pace because, um, and we can you know go into this in, in various ways, but we chose, we became the Western Iowa Journalism Foundation not to neglect anybody else, you know, especially Eastern Iowa. My, uh, I, I love all of Iowa. My wife grew up in Davenport. I love the Quad Cities. So, but the this conversation began with some crucial community newsrooms around western iowa we wanted to not bite off more than we can chew and so we can really identify some uh struggling news sources and some potential well and some growing news deserts in western iowa so we needed to have kind of this defined territory that we feel like we can tackle and that's why we became the western iowa journalism foundation um and uh so yeah so we are focused you know, trying to do a phased approach, focusing on a handful of counties, handful of newsrooms, uh, so we can you know, not spread ourselves too thin, so we can make a real difference, have a real proof of concept, and just go step by step. So that's kind of the whirlwind introduction. Okay, um, Kyle, so it sounds like there's a lot of stuff going on there. Are you, as a foundation, are you looking at providing um, – education so business models you know how do we make a, a different business model uh profitable are you looking at providing financial resources so we're going to help you kind of uh, stay afloat until you can get things together are you looking at uh trying to recruit um journalists for example people to to come out and, and actually work in these small uh market areas is that part of the problem how, how do you how do you how does your phased approach uh actually work yeah no good question so and and again you know a lot of this we are you know in in the early months uh, we have a lot of uh, flexibility to to keep building out and, and shaping this and we're, we're i mean we're we're starting to coordinate more with other, you know, allied organizations, other people uh, conducting nonprofit journalism experiments around the country, and we're actually fairly unique in just the way our our model is shaped as this nonprofit entity and foundation that is uh, trying to, um, uh, you know, save news organizations that many of them are, you know, a for-profit, main street, family, independent businesses. So it's we're. Uh, we're a unique experiment trying to make a difference in arguably 
the hardest area to do that because this isn't a major metro with you know some of the amenities or you know funding sources or institutions that you have there. Um, you know, we're not. It's not trying to save national brands that have can uh, tap a larger subscriber base. This is small town or rural America where if we can make a difference here, then that says a lot of good things about uh, what might happen for the uh, future of community journalism. But anyway, to answer your question directly, uh, we are largely, so we're, we're focused largely around funding and transformation. Um, you mentioned, you know, reporters. I mean, what we do is going to enable, uh, you know, keeping or adding journalists and making that happen, but it, that's not our <clears throat> structure per se. There are other great national organizations out there. There's one called Report for America that expressly is focused on personnel, where they will place journalists in newsrooms, they provide some of the funding, and it's incumbent on local sources and newsrooms to raise uh, another portion. <clears throat> and so they, they focus on that personnel count, and that's how they, they try to make a difference. I mean, what the work that we do can enable some of that, but that's just that's not our structure in terms of that's our only metric or that's our uh, uh, top metric. But what we're trying to do is um, provide some quick assist funds so, for instance, we want to be able to respond to the immediate need and, and keep newsrooms open that might be on the bubble and to keep, um, keep them sustainable in a short term if there's a real crisis. And then also provide larger funding, doses of funding that can really engineer more long-term work, uh, you know, specific areas of coverage in the public interest and, and uh, you know, converting newsrooms to more of a long-standing, sustainable model. Um, so that we want to have those those kind of two prongs is, is something that we're putting into uh, detailed operation. And so that's something that, that we want to do for sure. All right. We have a lot more to talk about. So please stay tuned. This is ROI on KALA, St. Ambrose University, 106.1 FM. The KALA website is your one-stop spot to find out more about your favorite radio station. Submit a public service announcement, catch up on news about KALA, and listening to any of our three stations, 885-1061 or The Stinger, is just a click away. Visit KALAFM.org. That's KALAFM.org. Hello and welcome back to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is Rick Sweet. And my name is Jay Swords. This is the second segment of the show, referred to as The Kitchen Table. Our guest for today is Kyle Munson, former journalist for the Des Moines Register and president of the Western Iowa Journalism Foundation. And we're going to be talking about the Western Iowa Journalism Foundation. Our history buff for today's show is Terry Toppler. Terry, start us off. All right, Kyle. I'd like to know a little bit more about the funding sources that you're referring to. You had mentioned that the old business model was collapsing, which was dependent on large display ads, and that now you're focused on, excuse me, providing quick assist funding and a larger funding. So would these funding sources come from print advertising or online subscriptions? What is your vision for this? Question. So... You know, for the purposes of the news organizations themselves, of course, a lot of what has happened is as the ad advertising 
revenue is starting to dry up. They have to rely more on subscriber-first model. And so you have even some of these small community newspapers that are trying to gain more digital subscriptions, and they, you know, they release email newsletters, and they can get some incremental revenue that way. But what we're talking about with the foundation is philanthropy. So we're talking about large philanthropic funding sources that, that has to be another a new tree trunk of, of um, funding to help keep community journalism alive. And, you know, hopefully there's, um, you know, there, there are new mixes that are emerging. I mean, think of, well, think of, I, I, I love community radio and public radio and everything else, which I don't have to tell that to any of you. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, <laughs> I think about the public radio model, and, and I have a lot of friends with, uh, with Iowa Public Radio, National Public Radio, and they have, they've had a very direct-to-audience appeal and, and pledge fund drives and everything for a long time. And so this is, you know, this is very consistent with the spirit of that in a way where um, it it used to be with the news organization that I worked at, uh, yeah, you you had a very large commercial ad-driven machine that was able to support the uh, independent work of the newsroom. And there was a firewall between the business advertising operation and the the newsroom and and how it did its work. Well, to, you know, to, to preserve that, that, that work where we can cover these city councils and you can ask tough questions and, and hold uh, people to account and, um, and just do all the good storytelling that uh, communities deserve. Uh, philanthropy large, increasingly is stepping in to, to make up for, for that lost ad revenue. So we, you know, there are large foundations out there that are tr- working on this problem. There are just people that are, that are concerned about it as well. So uh, what we've done with the foundation is, you know, starting to have conversations to, to tap into some of these larger blocks of funding. But there's also, if you go to Western Iowa Journalism Foundation.com, we've, you know, we have a running Give Butter account there where we've uh, gotten thousands of dollars in donations uh, from, from concerned citizens. And so we're, that's what we're trying to do uh, to really engineer this, um, this turnaround for community journalism. Rick. Kyle, uh, just uh, this is a tr- uh, kind of a trite question, but are, do you have a central location for your foundation, or are you all uh, working remotely because of COVID? Do you have an office someplace, or a, a tent in a parking lot someplace? <laughs> that's not a trite question. That's a good one. I love it. Uh, yeah, no, uh, and I hate as a journalist myself. I ask plenty of trite questions through the years, but yeah, that's definitely not one. I bet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, we're um, so we're. I mean, with uh, as a registered organization, we're nominally located in Breda, Iowa, in Western Iowa, and that's where our executive director is located. She's a also dedicated journalism lover, studied journalism, and has been a grant writer and uh, schooled in nonprofits for many years. And so that's where that's our home address for all intents and purposes. But. As a board and as, uh, you know, news organizations we're trying to serve, we're spread around Western Iowa. So I'm, uh, I'm in the Ames-Des Moines corridor. I live in Slater, Iowa, and uh, I've been in and around Des Moines for years. And uh, I, we have a – our board is, is – it's a great group. We have a journalism professor. She's in Storm Lake. We have a small business owner, uh, you know, who's also in rural Western Iowa, CEO of a, of a – a company that works in moving and shipping and logistics. 
Um, <clears throat> we have a, a community college uh, pr- um, uh, administrator, and um, we have a diversity consultant and business owner who's based in the Des Moines metro. So it's, you know, and, and again, like I said, the idea really started with some conversations from Doug Burns and Carol. Um, you know, another one of the organizations we're trying to preserve is, is in Storm Lake, the Storm Lake Times, and Art Cullen, who won the Pulitzer Prize in 2017 for his editorial writing. Um, there's there's a large and, and, and growing and, uh, you know, vibrant Hispanic community in Western Iowa, and another news organization that we're uh, trying to help preserve is La Prensa, and that's uh, based in Denison, Iowa, and uh, Lorena Lopez is the publisher of that. So, you, you can see that we're kind of spread all around the map, even though, as I said, we, you know, kind of by the nature of our executive director and um, we have an address in Brita, Iowa. Kyle, I'm curious. We're really talking about family owned, mostly family owned uh, news uh, publishers, news newsroom agencies, whatever. Um mm-hmm. How much of of what's happening is these things are simply disappearing, and and is or is there also an element of larger businesses coming in and buying up, um, you know, in our metro areas, for example, in in um, the Quad Cities, we used to have three different. Um, family-owned newspaper organizations now all of them are owned by lee enterprises so there really mm-hmm. isn't a diversity of of leadership and, and that trickles down then to the kind of news that gets covered and so i'm wondering if that's also part of the problem that that there's that that external i don't want to use the wrong image but it, you know the image in my head is the vulture who's kind of waiting for for something to get bad enough and then swoops in and, and kind of gobbles it up is that an issue as well or are these small newspaper systems so small that they're not even on somebody's radar uh both i mean both so yeah the consolidation conglomeration in the media business has been rampant of course i i you know i used to work for the, the what was the largest newspaper chain in, in the country and there have been there are ongoing <laughs> dramas that are happening with these large media groups, uh, Tribune Company, et cetera, um, with uh, hedge fund, <clears throat> excuse me, hedge funds that get involved. And um, so you, it, it, you can really see um, with the centralization and consolidation of some of these large chain operations where they, you know, they print out of regional hubs and they, design and even sometimes report out of regional hubs now that uh, the headcount in any one newsroom uh, has just gone down and down and down. I mean, this, you know, by the statistics, generally, you, you see that uh, we've lost half of the, about half of the journalists in the last 15 or so years. Um, and a lot of that has come through the consolidation, as well as just smaller newsrooms disappearing. But yeah, I, um, and that's, and that's just not healthy for these local communities. Um, you know, I used to work in a, in a very large newsroom in downtown Des Moines that uh, is much smaller now by the necessity of the economy of media. And some of my former colleagues now have, it's kind of, you see this dispersal. A lot of them, like me, have gone into in-house content studios for various companies and brands. That's, that's a big trend, so I'm just part of a trend in that sense. Um, Others are, are working for different digital startups that are part of national brands that, for instance, you just have a footprint of 
you know, uh, maybe a couple of journalists in a large city that that produce a, a daily email, a new email newsletter, and they, you know, they do a very fine job, but it's just a completely different, very small footprint model that becomes a national network. Uh, there's the Iowa Capital Dispatch in based in Des Moines that's also a part of a nonprofit digital news startup network that is focused on coverage of state houses, of legislatures, and uh, that involves some of my former colleagues. So, you know, if you look at some of these, even these large metro newsrooms, uh, the what used to be housed within these uh, you know, very kind of large, diverse newsrooms, now it's kind of spread out. I mean, diverse in terms of coverage, but there's a whole other issue of kind of diversity and inclusion issues in media that we can talk about. But just in terms of the topics covered and everything, a lot of that people power now is dispersed into some of these media startups or into other industries. And um, you just don't have as m- many watchdogs or people covering different issues in, in cities and, and small towns across America. Yeah, Kyle, you mentioned the phrase community journalism. Can you talk to us how you would define that, why it matters uh, to our community, and what exactly does that entail? You know, what are the challenges? What are the gains? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So, I, you know, I use the term watchdog, too, and, and that's that's typically your hard news, where it you're covering the city council. You're you're watching out for you know what's happening on the police blot or what the police are doing, and um, you know a lot of financial details of a community. So you have kind of the hard news, watchdog news aspect. But community journalism really embraces the whole. I mean, if if you think about what that traditional small town newspaper did or does for people, it you know they see their grandkids uh, you know pictured in the football game, or they see. Um, you know, the obituaries, they see stories of important community leaders, they see goofy little columns, they see, you know, whatever. That, and I think that broader, that broader array of life, well curated and well presented to a community, is so valuable. So it's, you know, because of the technology now, so much of our media diet is splintered off into very specific little streams. But these, the community journalism and these community news sources Something that's great about them is that they've represented that broader spectrum. So it helps it helps create a community identity, really, because you're you're educating different generations about each other. You're educating different you know people that worship in different places or belong to different civic clubs. And so it's a real it's a unify. I see it as a real unifying force, and not something that can be replaced by your local social media you know, Facebook page or something. <laughs> I, right. I, it is you know. Uh, cities, I see it. I see it all the time. Where even local uh, city government and, and all these groups, they rely on their Facebook pages or whatever just to communicate, and that, that's fine. I'm not saying stop that. I mean, I'm not trying to reverse uh, pro- you know, progress here. I'm, I'm never gonna. I'm. I love technology as much as anybody, but I'm just saying that cannot replace professional community journalism as a real kind of hearthstone or. That, that brings people together in a different sort of a way and, and doesn't just isn't as prone to like having rampant rumors or arguments or political polarization or whatever. So that's, that's part of my vision for community journalism and how it, it, it operates in with these organizations. Hey, Kyle, I, I'm just curious. I'm a ex capitalist and uh, always had metrics. <laughs> what, what signposts uh, will be achieved as you go through this process that, is telling you and your board and your supporters that you're being successful? Yeah, good question. Um, 
you know, and I, you know, I, as part of build, putting the wheels on the cars, we're driving it. You know, we're still mapping out all the details of our strategic vision. You know, we've had, we've been having some good sessions on that. But to answer your question, uh, you know, most simply, we have to keep these newsrooms open and and also see them become sustainable. So that's so not having newsrooms disappear off the map within Western Iowa will be a huge metric. And then being able to um, you know, become operational and see, you know, see the results of the coverage that they are able to do and report back to us on that, that, that is possible because of our funding and, um, in, you know, the issues that are covered and the, and the, the communities that are helped and the, the community needs that are addressed through their coverage. That will, those will be huge signposts for us. And, you know, the fact that, well, here's, here's a, for instance, um, I mentioned the storm like times, um, you know, Art Cullen, the editor there, has been very vocal about the struggles of his news organization, especially in the last year. And that, <laughs> I mean, that goes to show you, Pulitzer Prizes don't uh, don't pay you know, the don't bills. The they don't pay the bills. You can't eat a Pulitzer Prize. Yeah, yeah. You cannot eat, yeah, you can try all you want, but it's not going to taste very good, and it's not going to pay your reporters. And so, you know, Art has recently gone early. He went on to Social Security to remove his own salary from the payroll to, to help out, uh, you know, through this crisis. And so you know, keeping that newsroom alive and, and being able to have enough of a reporting staff that, that does the job they need to do to cover their community well, um, that's a huge signpost. So, uh, you know, when you, have, when you have journalists that can't even afford to pay themselves and, uh, you know, or you have a, a newsroom like Laprenza, which basically Lorena is, is the sole driving force behind that largely, and um, to be able to give her some more help to cover a community that is, is spread among various towns uh, around Western Iowa and, um, you know, needs her. I mean, for instance, we, we, uh, in the not too distant past, we had some questions around the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which when it was rippling through the Hispanic community, they heard it on some national news outlets. They had all these questions because Many of them had already been vaccinated with uh, Johnson and Johnson, and so they turned to her for like more information about what to do and where to go, and should they, you know, should they be visiting a doctor or something like that. And so, if you think about everything that a local news editor does that goes beyond just publishing a story, that sort of community involvement runs deep. And um, so, there are signposts like that that are less, you know, kind of less of a capitalist metric, but more of a uh, you know, uh, qualitative metric that, that will emerge in our reports that that, uh, that you know, when we report back every year on what we've accomplished. All right, uh, Kyle, we always give our guests the last uh, word on the show, and so we have about two minutes left, and I'd like you to just kind of um, see what you can do with this question in that time. Um, why do you think efforts like the Western Iowa Journalism Foundation are relevant in today's world? Well, that's a good question. Think about all the time and energy that all of us spend complaining about political polarization, national politics, gridlock in Congress, uh, misinformation and disinformation online, on social media. Think about all the headspace that has consumed in recent years, right? Well... I'm talking about, I think, one of the main ways to change all of that. I, seriously, I'm, I'm, and I'm not just, <laughs> you know, it's because I've spent my life in news and I've spent my life loving, you know, small town in rural America and, and you know, small town in rural Iowa. And I think the, 
the, the magic, <laughs> it's not a magic formula. I mean, it's a real practical, hard work kind of everyday formula to combat all this and to improve it is to have these credible news sources in small communities where you have professional journalists that can uh, discuss and, and debate in person with people um, and, and diffuse these disagreements face-to-face before we end up as two tribes just battling each other, red and blue, uh, and never talking to each other on the national scene. And um, so I think if you just think about all the oxygen that all these arguments occupy, <laughs> uh, take up in our daily lives, that's why this is worth it, because this is the way to solve it. All right. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up. So please stay tuned. This is ROI on KALA, St. Ambrose University, 106.1 FM. You're listening to Relevant or Irrelevant. This series is produced at St. Ambrose University's KALA Radio and has been honored by the Midwest Broadcast Journalists Association and the Iowa Broadcast News Association for excellence in public affairs journalism. You can hear this edition of ROI and many previous programs in this series by visiting Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, plus Apple Podcasts. ROI airs Friday nights at 9.30 p.m. on KALA HD2 and can also be heard at 106.1 FM in the Metropolitan Quad City area. You can stream this show every Friday night at TuneIn.com. Search for KALA HD2. This concludes our 419th show of ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant. Our producer and engineer is Dave Baker. Our program manager is Rick Sweet, and the theme song for our show is titled Kayla Theme and was written and performed by Mark Zap Zapital. My name is Rick Sweet. And my name is Jay Swords. We'd like to thank our guest, Kyle Munson, former journalist for the Des Moines Register and president of the Western Iowa Journalism Foundation, and we've been talking about the Western Iowa Journalism Foundation. Our history buffs for today's show was Terry Toppler. This is ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, on KALA. The views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of St. Ambrose University or KALA. We would like to wish our listeners to experience the great Pazutu proverb, Hotsa Pula Nala, peace, reign, and prosperity. And remember, historians are horrible fortune tellers. Good night. Good night.